take out the handout sheet that was given to you at the front door and we can begin. We are in part five of one of our two series this year. If you are just joining us, we're running two concurrent series throughout this year. One is called A Life of Worship, and we're going through the books of First and Second Samuel, studying the kings of Saul, David. On the last full weekend of the month, we switch everything up, right? Whole new worship team comes in, leads us in a style that's not the same as what we normally do. We talk a little bit about practical tips on how to engage with God in worship and praise, and we go through the Psalms. That's what we're going to do today. So if you need a little head start, we're going to be in Psalm 47 today. It's page 403 in the Bibles handed to you. But I have a couple concepts I would like to get to you as we go towards the fill in the blank on the sheet in front of you. Today's message is entitled, Oh, Praise Him. And I want to talk about how great God is in our midst. Not only at the women's retreat was one of the moms that was invited along with her daughter to that retreat. Not only was she in that moment through the prayer team there, had her hearing healed and restored for, for years. She's been battling trouble in her ears and she was able to hear perfectly clear throughout the whole retreat and continuing on it was an amazing miraculous move of god but even last night check this out and you know that this is not usually our thing in terms of sharing radical stuff that happens during the service but i had a shy gal wait to talk to me last night her and her husband and she was waiting here and she said lance i gotta tell you something she goes this isn't normal for me i'm very nervous she said, but I have what's called a ganglion in my hand, and it's the size of a little jawbreaker. And I went to the doctor, and they were removing different things, and he said, you know what? We can't, we have to excise that out. We're going to have to cut it out surgically. She said, so I had going, I scheduled an appointment to do that, but I came to church last night. She said, I was there at the four o'clock service that we just finished. She said, and so when Daryl was leading us and having us all clap, I know I can't clap normal because it hurts if I hit my hand. She said, so I clap up my palm down below. She said, by the time we started getting toward the end of the worship service, I noticed my hand didn't hurt and I looked down and it was completely gone. She said, it's completely healed during the worship service. Now... She goes, and I'm not weird, right? So she had, to con she had to convince me that she wasn't weird, which I looked at her husband and I confirmed. I said, is she weird? He said, no. So, so I feel pretty confident that she's not weird. Now, the idea is that in our midst, God is doing great things and he is worthy to be praised. People are giving their lives to the Lord over and over and over. People are starting a brand new journey. Marriages are being healed. Parent-child relationships are being mended. This is a place of God's power and transformation. And what we need to do is to realize that, engage with that, and praise God for what he is doing. Because he is good all the time. And I know that maybe for some of us, us, our current circumstances do not allow us to praise lightly or easily. However, if you knew what he knows, if you knew what all of us collectively know, you would be praising him as well. God is always worthy to be praised. He is constantly doing amazing things in our midst. So I want to go through, and just as we begin the message today, I want to give you some practical helps in one aspect of how to increase 
or maximize more and more praise coming out of you and I in the first 35, 40 minutes of our service that we call worship through music. I want to correct, first of all, a month ago, I made a statement that some people misheard. It was not at all what I said. It's not at all what I believe. So let me clarify. Some of you heard me say a phrase that sounded something like, if you cannot engage with a foreign style of music, your hearts are wrong. That's not at all what I said. Nor do I agree with that whatsoever. That's garbage. What I said was, regardless of the foreign style of worship, engage with God regardless. That's what I said. And so what I want to do is help us understand a little bit about how to practically do that. Because some of us feel a little bit lost. Like for some of you, you saw this new setup and you heard all the music and you were a bit caught during the headlights and kind of going, I'm not quite sure what to do. And now I'm swaying. Why am I jumping up and down? I feel weird, right? I'm out of breath, whatever. Okay. Yeah, I'm just saying, Mike, just saying. Now, for some of us, it was very foreign. Now, I can tell you that this particular style, it was very funny because I watched everybody start to get into this groove. And it seemed like it was something that was very natural to some of you with like an inner funk, you know, like this groove that you had deep inside you that kind of came out there. That was pretty cool. Um, but sometimes you step into an environment that is very, very different. What are we going to do with those pieces? Well, First of all, I want to take you on a bit of a journey. I want you to imagine in your minds whether or not it is modern here style of worship. Let's say you walk into a junior high, high school worship service, and it's completely different than anything you imagined. Or whether or not we all transported as a church over to Thailand, and we're in a Thai church. They're worshiping through their style of music, which I have a really hard time understanding the meter of it. I don't understand the pattern of it. I don't know what's going on. And they're worshiping in their native tongue. Are we just going to sit it out? If we enter in with that other church, they're crying, they're engaging with Jesus, they're loving on their Lord. Are we merely going to step back and observe and not love on Jesus too? Are we going to add nothing to the offering? That wouldn't seem right. So what are we going to do? The first thing that I would do, and these are just merely suggestions, whether or not they help you or not, I don't know. But let's say this. Let's say that you walk into this environment, the first thing that I would do is examine that it's biblical and that it's not violating scripture. That's called being a Berean, right? That's what we need to do. I'm never going to tell you to turn off your filter. There is a filter that we have that says, is this honoring to God? It may be unfamiliar to me. It may seem bizarre to me, but is it honoring to God? Meaning, is it violating scripture in some way? If it is not, and it is legit, Make a determination that somehow, some way, you are going to engage with your Jesus during that time. Now, of course, the best case scenario is that once you realize it's honoring to the Lord, to try to surrender yourself to it and try to learn and grow and engage in that style. That's what most of you did today. You began to do things that were not common to you. You began to do things to say, you know what, I'm going to follow that leadership and I'm going to dive into it. And I'm going to see what that has for me, because if Jesus likes that song, I want to sing it too. So a lot of you were able to do that. And yeah, that is considered best case scenario. 
Try to connect in any way you know how. So let me give you a couple ideas on how to connect. New songs, right? Jake introduces new songs periodically. We can't always just sit out the new songs or else we're not going to be worshiping very often because he's going to introduce them all the time. So what do we do during new songs? Let me tell you my first default. My first default in any time when I'm having a hard time engaging is what I try to do is pray through the lyrics. It's the first thing that I do right off the bat. It's as I'm sitting there and listening to everyone else worship around me, if I'm not able to join in on the song, I can't pick up the tune, I can't pick up the harmony, I can't pick up the groove, I start looking at the lyrics and I allow the leader in front of me to stimulate new prayers. If the leader up front says, isn't God great today? In my heart, my prayers then take a 90 degree angle and they go over and start saying, God, you are good. You are great, and you've been great to me in these ways. If the lyrics then say, thank you, Jesus, for cleansing me, my prayers take another turn. Thank you, Jesus, for cleansing me. I haven't even been thinking about that recently. God, your grace is sufficient for me, and I feel healed. I feel light. I feel forgiven. Allow the lyrics of any given song to begin to spark new prayers for you. And be praying continually because honestly, it is worship. That's what you're doing. It's during that whole time. You're engaging with your Jesus. You're loving on your Lord. That's legitimate. That is a full worship set. A couple other ideas for you. Maybe you need to start by going big. I was talking with my executive assistant, Joanne, and she said, for me, my biggest connection is to start with thankfulness and gratitude to God. I start thanking him for what he is doing and who he is because it makes him bigger in my mind, bigger than my problems. It takes my mind up to a higher level where I have to see it's not about this one worship service. It's about how great and grand God is. Does that help you? That maybe you lift your mind above what particular environment you're in. Maybe that's your connection. Another thing that I do is, and you'll notice that I have my eyes closed almost every time I'm in here. If I'm not on my way somewhere, my eyes are closed. Why? We'll talk about that in a moment, but for me, it's because we're worshiping in my workplace. If we all gathered together in your office and started a worship service, would you close your eyes? Probably, because you would see all the paperwork and everything that needs to get done around you, right? That's what I see. So i got to pretty much block y'all out, okay? I have to kind of shut my eyes out and engage audibly so that I'm not looking at distractions or I'm not looking at those issues. But every once in a while, you'll see me open my eyes, and I'll dart around the room. What I'm looking for is a spark. A spark is someone that is all in. If I can track on a spark that will light me up, that will light me on fire... I immediately get in. What's an all-in person? Those are the people that periodically you see them lost in worship. You will see them start to cry. You will see them with their hands raised. You will see them kneel down. You will see them fall before the Lord on their face. When I was talking with Joe, she said, for me, it's almost always a child. If I can see a child worshiping in that honesty and innocence, it transports me to go where they are. So maybe you need to scan very quickly. Now, if you stare too long, you're creepy. 
Don't stare. Don't stare. You got to dart, right? You know how to dart. Move your eyes around, right? So you look over and you see somebody catch a spark and let them light you on fire. And then you go, Lord, I want to be there. And sometimes you're pressing through with raising your hands and bowing down before God in your hearts. Whatever it takes. So sometimes having your eyes open helps. A couple other thoughts. What happens if the music's terrible? All right. Now, I can tell you this. If the music is miserable and dismal, real quick show of hands. How many musicians do we have? You ever played an instrument or been involved in music? Raise your hands up high. Come on. Be proud of this. Now, this is, all right, that's a lot of you. I would say in every service, it's a little over one-third, okay, of our whole congregation. Y'all know how hard it is to worship when it's bad music and you're a musician, I'm a musician, I get it, because all you can think of is, wow, you're lame, okay? Now, you have to, we have to be honest, that has nothing to do with Jesus, right? But you can't seem to get past the distraction. I will tell you that I equally have as much distraction when the band is exceptionally good. Um, bottom line, you guys, today, I found myself when I walked in here, did you all hear the rhythm section? Okay. Bass player, drums, right? Nails. Solid. Okay, I'm a drummer. I immediately, I lock in, and I'm going, wait, what's he doing? What's he doing? And I'm watching the groove, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, Jesus. Okay? That's my problem. That means I have a bad heart, right? Okay, now, here's the thing. What we have to do is pull ourselves by will sometimes out of performance mode and say, stop it. This is not about what's going on on stage. If it's bad, you got to get out of that. Here's one way that I get out of that. Imagine you go to a buddy's birthday party, right? An adult buddy of yours, and he has kids. In the middle of his birthday party, his little three-year-old comes out and says, Daddy, I, start, I, I sang a song for you. I got one. And in the middle, they stop the party, and she starts to sing. Imagine if you sat back and went, wow, you're horrible. Look at you. What? Oh, that ain't going to get past the judges, I'll tell you that. You're not going anywhere. Do you understand? You immediately go, well, that's terrible. That's what we're doing when the music's really, really bad. Because you're going to be environments. Now, here, we get spoiled a lot. Jake and his team, our worship teams, they're really talented. So usually... We're having trouble on the other side. But you're going to walk in environments where the music is not solid. I want you to see it as one of his kids singing him a love song. And instead of judging the love song, I want you to add to the offering. Do you know what I mean? So that, that band, whoever they are, they're giving what they have. And they give this offering to the Lord. What I want you to do is put something else on the offering, on the altar. I want you to say, well, can I lend my voice? Maybe it's not the best, but I, I can help out. Because here's the thing about singing. I know not all of us are comfortable singing, but let me tell you something that's really exciting. All together, the beautiful thing about singing in mass is it blends it out and it evens it out. So even the voices that are just not great, right? You lend volume into it and you allow it to be full. We need you in the process and when we're all lifting up an offering together it is beautiful and i want you to know that your voice matters that you're singing your jesus a song 
and it doesn't have to be perfect. Okay, a couple other thoughts before we move on here. What if you flat out just can't? You just can't get there. I mean, you've tried everything to engage, and you're struggling, and it's just really, really hard. And All right, that means you've got to go to the familiar. Okay, one of the coolest things God gave us is an imagination. What I want you to do is I want you to close your eyes and go somewhere else. Here's what it means. It means that while the team is going on and it's somewhat not your style, it's really hard and everything, shut it down, lock it out, and go to your happy place with Jesus. That means I'm completely somewhere else. Some of you got to go beautiful place, happy place, beach place, right? You got to go somewhere else and say, you know what? Right here in this moment, Jesus, everyone else is giving you a gift. I want to give you a gift. However, Lord, I need to go to Paris first. I'm going to go ahead and go there and I'm going to pray from Paris, right? I'm going to be able to, in my mind, go somewhere else where I'm engaging with you, Lord, and I'm giving you an offering as well. Because what we must have is engaged hearts all over the place. It's what our worship time is supposed to be. Finally, some of you are intellectual, analytical thinkers. You process like I do. I have a very, very hard time doing anything if I don't know why. I have to know why we're doing it. If someone says, shout to the Lord, I need to know why. Because I'm afraid that I'll be doing something that's not pleasing to God. Or I'm going to do something that's foolishness. And I have this big problem with that. So, if somebody says, and now we're going to wave our hands in the air. Why? Why am I waving my hands? And then you go, well, now we're going to be singing out loud. Why am I singing out loud? Some of you are intellectual like that. One of the reasons I have an opportunity to worship more freely in this environment is I've had my questions answered. If you're an intellectual, analytical person, please ask. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know what I need to tell you. Ask the team. Ask the band. Why do we do this? There are reasons for why we're doing what we're doing. And the more you understand, the more you can be all in. However it works for you, we must engage. We must be with our Lord. We cannot sit it out. That's just not acceptable. But do we all have to engage the same way? No. As long as our hearts are on fire for the Lord, we're good. Make sense? All right, let's turn the corner. We're going to be talking about praise today during a year of worship. So what's the difference? What is the difference between worship and praise? Theologically, probably nothing. Practically, when we talk about worship... Usually, we mean an interaction, engagement personally with our God. When we say praise, we are largely thinking of proclaiming to other people, sometimes to our own hearts, that God is good. Praise is about lifting up his name and telling other people how great he is to you. How great he is to the world. So when we talk about praise, which is going to be the whole rest of our time together, I want you to be thinking... Am I proclaiming out loud? Am I proclaiming in my heart that God is good all the time? The fill in the blank in front of you is this. God is worthy to be, to be praised. God is worthy to be praised. If you haven't already, turn with me to Psalm 47 as we dive into this. I'm just going to read through it. It's very short. I'm going to read through it. We're going to pray for the word today and we'll use our final moments. 
to share about the Lord. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. How awesome is the Lord Most High, the great King over all the earth. He subdued nations under us, peoples under our feet. He chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loved. God has ascended amid shouts of joy, the Lord amid the sounding of trumpets. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. The nobles of the nations assemble as the people of the God of Abraham. For the kings of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. Heavenly Father, allow your word to soak in and transform us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's hit this. It starts out and it says, clap your hands. Let me ask you this. Why? Why are we clapping our hands? It's intriguing. Now we can say, well, in other cultures, it's been a little different. Uh, in some ancient cultures, the Roman culture, they would hit their breastplates to show approval. That's still an idea of making a sound. Why are we making a sound? Now, obviously, it makes, it's one of the few things that we can do to make loud sounds, right? But why do we clap? Here's what's intriguing. If I was to tell you right now, and I'm going to, I would like you to show your approval and thank Daryl and his team for coming up and lead us. Would you thank him? You automatically clapped. Why'd you clap? Because in our culture, it means approval. It means thank you. It means you've done a job well. Why do we clap to Jesus? It's the same reason. Why do we clap during songs? Is this talking about clapping in rhythm during the songs? No, not really. What it's talking about is these claps of approval. And God, you are good. God, you did an amazing job. We do it at sporting events. We do it at concerts. We do it all over the place whenever we show approval. If someone graduates and you're cheering for them, you start to clap your hands. That's why we do it for God. So let me ask you a real quick question. Why do you clap at the end of worship songs? There are two legitimate reasons to clap and one illegitimate reason. The first legitimate reason to clap at the end of songs is thanking the team because they just led you in a beautiful time with your Lord and you really appreciate them providing a way and a pathway. There's nothing wrong with that. The second reason that's completely legitimate and probably a better reason is in that last song, you engaged with your Lord. You were so excited about who he is and what he's done. You want to give him a round of applause. The illegitimate reason is, wow, I love that song, and wait, who's Jesus? That's the wrong reason to clap. The wrong reason to clap is, man, you guys nailed that one. No, that's not why we clap. Because this is not primarily about the, the band up here or the team. We're clapping actually for one that's right through them, someone else. There is an audience of one, right? Right? 
So when they say clap at the end, and Daryl encouraged us to clap, what he was referring to at that time was let's give our Heavenly Father a round of applause for how great he is. And then we began to clap. Does God like clapping? He sure does. He tells us to do it over and over and over. Clap your hands, all you nations. That means all nations are underneath God and they will be held accountable to praise the king, whether they recognize him as king or not. For one day, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the sovereign king. Amen. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. Now, there are a few of us in this group that literally shout out. We're all cheering and you'll hear some people shout out and go, praise you, Lord. Right. You'll hear some of that go on. I love that stuff. Gets me all fired up. Why are they shouting? Because we shout for a couple reasons. Just as human beings, we shout when we're excited. How do I know that? You guys, I live across the street from an elementary school. Does anybody know the decibel level of a small little girl? It's extraordinary. It can cut through. Geese are dying. They're flying out of the sky. It literally, it's shocking. Right? Why are they screaming? You go, that child must be being tortured. No. They're having fun and they almost got tagged, right? We scream out of excitement and exuberance. If you're excited about the Lord, we shout it out. What's another reason we shout? Because we want other people to hear it. So you're shouting out a praise about God so that other people know that God is good. Shouts of joy. Do we have the joy in our lives? Do we have the joy welling up inside us? Is God still good to you? It's something we must always ask ourselves. Why am I short on joy today? Is the joy welling up within us? It moves on. It says this. He subdued nations under us, people under our feet. He chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loved. It just took praise out of general stuff that the whole world can praise God for. You're the creator. You're the sustainer. And it made it personal. Israel was praising God. God, thank you for our promised land. Thank you for fighting our battles. Thank you for defeating our enemies. Thank you for selecting us out as a people group that once were not, but now are the apple of your eye. Are you praising generally? Are you praising personally? God, you have been so good to me. You have healed me of this. You have helped me through this. You were held my hand while I cried. Is there praise erupting from your spirit? Not all praise is out loud. Some praise is right there in our hearts. Are you living gratefully and thankfully? Let's keep moving. God has ascended amid shouts of joy. What does that mean? God has ascended. Is it talking about when Jesus ascended up in front of? Probably not. This is Old Testament Psalms. What's it talking about? Well, this psalm, it is believed, was used primarily during festival times in the ancient world. When Israel would hold a festival, we don't know which festival, but it was a yay God festival. And there's two times that scholars argue back and forth of what it was used for. One of them said it was a time when the king would be presented and he would walk through the streets up to his throne and everyone would praise God for allowing them to have a king that would follow after him. Maybe. A more likely scenario is that this psalm was used when they would bring home the Ark of the Covenant. 
because it was known as the throne seat of God. And it would go right past the people and be placed in the Holy of Holies. And as the ark passed by, they would say, God has ascended up into his throne and he is in his rightful place. To us, context in this place doesn't matter for us applying it to our lives. It means, isn't God great? Hasn't he become the greatest? Isn't he the most wonderful? No matter how you look at it, is God still the most wonderful? I think that's a question for us. God has ascended amid shouts of joy. If you read Revelation, you're going to hear angels shout over and over and over. A lot of you guys go, well, you know what? It's not the appropriate time to start yelling. And Okay, hold on. There are some gentlemen here that attend sporting events, and that exuberance does not translate to church. How do I know? Because right in the middle of a Kings game, you will scream, yeah, in your face, right? Okay. Now, why are you screaming that? Now, clearly you can. A lot of you are screaming your guts out at home looking at the TV. Sack him, sack him, sack him, right? Okay, what are you doing? You obviously have it in you. You go to church and you're like, out loud is not my thing. Yes, it is, you liar. It's just a different environment. Come on, you bring it in here because what you're doing is you're going, yeah, God, get him, yeah, that's the way, right? Same, same idea. You're bringing that same atmosphere. When we are cheering for God, you bring that same exuberance to our king. Get as fired up as you get about sports, about God, and bring it in here. Whole different ball game. By the way, I've seen ladies at hockey games, same thing. There are some scary women at hockey games, I will tell you that. God has ascended amid shouts of joy, the Lord amid the sounding of trumpets. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our king, sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth, sing to him a psalm of praise. Learn to sing to God. I know it's not natural. We've talked about it all year long. I get it. But how wonderful of a sacrifice would it be that though in no other avenue of society, you still learn to sing to God here? There are very few places in society where we do learn to sing. Most all the recording artists that are of a certain age, you'll find out they started singing in church. Because that's where it was encouraged. We don't sing much in our culture anymore. But we sing here. No matter how old you are, I want you to learn to sing out loud this year. Sing out loud to God. I know it's uncomfortable, but it will get more comfortable the more you try it. Let's finish this out. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. The nobles of the nations assemble as the people of God of Abraham for the kings of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. Let me ask you, is Jesus on the throne in Libya? Yes, he is. Despite our political climate, despite what is happening in Yemen, Cairo, Oman, Bahrain, no matter where you go in the world during this whole Arab Spring thing, no matter the whole Middle East conflict between the Palestinian and Israeli state, blah, 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 Jesus reigns. He is on the throne. There is nothing that these kings can hold on to power if God says no. God is raising up nations. God is tearing down nations. 
And he is the one dictating how it works. We must always look into our political system and know that there is someone greater than all of it. I know for so many of us, we get caught up and keep going, what if, what if, what if. The only what if that will ever happen is what God wants. Do not lose hope. Do not give up. Do not believe it is beyond God's control. It is all in God's control. And as Jesus impresses his will into this world, as Jesus' coming gets nearer, clearly not last Saturday, amen? You want to irritate me, show me another billboard. I'm going to get really ticked off, all right? As the coming of our Lord Jesus gets nearer and nearer, He's pressing in and it's causing tension in the supernatural. It's causing problems for what Satan wants to try to continue to do. And there will be more and more turmoil. That does not mean Jesus is not on the throne. It is only evidence that he is alive. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your glory. Thank you for being so amazing to us and showing your face. I pray right now, Lord, that we would reflect that glory, that we would shine with the glory that Moses had after he talked to you. I pray that as we leave this place, our hearts are so full of exuberance that, Lord, the parking lot at home, the freeways and beyond, our hearts are joyful. That we are continually praising you, continually loving on you, and continually offering up lives of worship. Be glorified in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.